On this edition of the Nonstop BS Podcast, we fully dive into the 2023 NFL Draft, starting with positional needs for the AFC South. Then we have our best bets for Wednesday in the NBA here on Nonstop BS. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same teams, topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you, about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchide, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. Welcome in, everyone, to Nonstop BS, the Nonstop BS podcast. My name is Cole Lynchide. I am your host. Um, and yeah, welcome into our first episode that we're going to do. I uh, didn't really announce this, but it just kind of, I, I, I thought about it this weekend and when I was going to do draft content, how I was going to do it. I figured it is about re- about time to start. Um, you know, March Madness, college basketball comes to a close. We have the NBA playoffs that are on the horizon, but besides that, sports are kind of slowing down. I'm not going to talk very much baseball on the podcast. I'm not, um, I, I don't feel like I'm fully, I'm, I'm a baseball fan for sure. Don't feel like I would, I'm uh, knowledgeable enough about it to talk about it. So we're not going to, ste- we're not going to be talking about that too much. Obviously NASCAR season's in full effect, doesn't require too much. Um, talking typically though, and it's not something that I feel like most people like to listen to very often. So, you know, I mean, I was just kind of thinking and, um, you know, the draft is pretty much an April thing. Uh, I mean, it, it obviously you got the combine in, uh, in late February and then you have, um, a lot of pro days and stuff in March, but there's so many other sports going on in March that, um, I feel like April for this, for this, uh, podcast is going to be a month that's pretty much solely dedicated to the NBA playoffs and the NFL draft. So, figured we'd start going through division by division. Today, we are going to do the AFC South, and I'm going to give you guys the biggest team needs for each team um, in, in each division, and kind of just talk about where they're at and uh, um, what situation the teams are in um, and, and what, what their kind of roster looks like Um and where I think makes the most sense for them to be steering towards in the draft. You know, um, the, the draft is used by multiple different teams, multiple different ways. Some teams trade up, some teams trade down. Um, some teams, 
you know, in positions where they're they aggressively um, are trying to win this year and then have a couple holes on the roster, they will kind of reach on players um, and, and positions, uh, you know, kind of neglect positional value. Um, and, and they'll, they'll try to fill in the certain needs that they have because they're ready to win other teams in rebuilding mode. Uh, you're going to see a lot of, you know, the premier positions that are targeted in the draft. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of intricacies and, and a lot of strategy that goes into the draft. And, uh, I think it's interesting to see which general managers, what, what type of philosophy they have for team building, um, based on what they do in the draft. So it, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, but we're just going to be going over basically the overall outlook for each team. Um, if you're not following the podcast on Twitter, make sure you're doing that. I post a lot of bets on Twitter, especially in the NBA right now. Um, I slowed down a lot of other ones, but I, I didn't give any NASCAR bets out last weekend. Last weekend was crazy, hectic. I traveled up to see my sister in Minnesota. I was going to do a lot of stuff on Twitter on Saturday for the podcast and for the show. Saturday turned out to be a crazy day, so weather-wise, and there was a lot of traveling that we were doing through uh, crazy snow conditions up near Minneapolis, so um, didn't really have too much time with all of the different things going on to, uh, you know, do the, the contest for the race, give out bets for the race, um, but, but I did give out some bets in the NBA, and I, I do that pretty consistently, so make sure, especially if you're following along those, you follow me on Twitter at Cole. Follow the show at Nonstop BS Pod, um, and, and and you know continually as the show goes on, there's gonna be more and more content on Twitter. So Twitter is a a must. I feel like if you want to get the full experience of the podcast and and uh, if you're following along with the show, um, you can also if you like to follow my bets, I post every single bet that I make on the Action app, um, and you can follow me there at uh, Cole underscore Lynchide. Okay. We will start out, as I said, with the AFC South, and we're going over top team needs for every single team heading into the draft, Um, and I'm going to start off with the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts find themselves in an offseason that is going to be, I mean, they're in a funky position, honestly, because they have a team that, you know, a lot of people would argue ready to win right now, Um, but other people would argue this is a team that needs to be rebuilt, and it's a team that needs to be broken down, and um, they have a lot of you know, pieces that they should be moving and, and try to be in a, a total rebuild. I I see the Colts as being a quarterback away, and I think they still have enough of a good young foundation, um, offensively and defensively, that they can k- turn this thing around and kind of um, uh, not do a complete teardown, and they can rebuild enough in a couple seasons if they do it right um, to where this thing doesn't need to be completely torn down. So top team needs for the Indianapolis Colts. Number one, obviously, quarterback. Uh, the Colts signed Gardner Minshew this offseason, um, but besides that, they have Nick Foles and 2021 six-round pick Sam Ellinger, who started a few games last season for them uh, on the roster as of right now. Um, Gardner Minshew, really serviceable backup. Nick Foles was one of the better backups in the NFL for years on years. That Those days are completely over. Um, would not be surprised to see him cut after uh, training camp, sometime during training camp or after preseason. Um, and then Sam Ellinger is somebody that is more of a project still. And I don't know, I, I, last year he showed a little bit of promise, but overall it was underwhelming and he's a six round pick. So it's not so overall shocking or surprising that it was, but, um, they, they have a good quarterback room. This is a team that if they do not trade for Lamar Jackson, 
makes so much. They have to draft a quarterback, basically. They sit at the fourth overall pick right now. Um, and, I, you know, I, we've talked about it already with the Colts. When we were talking about the quarterbacks, when we talked about um, earlier on where I see quarterbacks going and stuff, the Colts are going to draft a quarterback if they do not trade for Lamar Jackson. It's basically one of those two things. Um, and, and that is something that's pretty much indisputable with this team, whether you think they need to tear down everything or not. It's time for the Colts to draft a quarterback. Um, you know, failed one-year projects in, in Phil Rivers, and uh, although he wasn't really much of a failure, but, you know, it was a one-year stint. Um, but then after that, Carson Wentz, and then last year, Matt Ryan. It, it, it's time for this team to have a franchise quarterback again, which they have not had since drafting Andrew Luck and since he retired um, after the 2020, 2017 or 2018 season. Sorry. Um, other team needs for the Colts cornerback position, and interior offensive line. So the Colts traded uh, Stephon Gilmore this offseason, leaving the only solidified cornerback presence on their roster as Kenny Moore, um, with the other current slated starters as 2020 sixth-round pick Isaiah Rogers and last year undrafted rookie free agent Dallas Flowers. Um, you know, the Colts need a lot more depth at the cornerback position. Um, overall, defense has a lot of talent. Still has a lot of really good players, um, and, and that's kind of been my argument as to why this team, you know, their, their front seven is still one of the, I would say, above-league average front sevens in the NFL. And they, they've drafted well, too, and brought in um, some good players, but, you know, still have DeForest Buckner, um, obviously Shaq Leonard, um, Zari Franklin's a good player, and they brought in Quiddy Pay, uh, first-round pick two years ago, who's been a good player. He hasn't really broken out yet as a premier edge rusher, um, but but they have some good depth. They have Deo Adiengbo, um, a second-round pick from 2021. Apologize if I mispronounced his name. Um, but he's been a solid player as well for them. And then they brought in uh, Samson Abicam, obviously, um, from the uh, formerly from of the Rams and the 49ers, um, who's a good player as well. So, I mean, they have a pretty good group of players in their front seven. Um, the main need is in the secondary as they just do not have very, they don't have very many games at all played by any of these players in their secondary outside of Kenny Moore. And if they want to compete defensively, they need more on the back end. So I would not be surprised to see them, uh, also, like I said, draft a cornerback in the second or third round. Um, if they do indeed, um, draft a quarterback with the first round pick and then also the interior offensive line. The offensive line has been a strong point for the Colts for years on years on years, um, but last year they underperformed mightily. Quentin Nelson has worst year yet um, as an, an, in the NFL, um, and he was still good. He was still a good player, but just uh, for the for the body of work that that um, Quentin Nelson has put in through his first five years in the NFL, last year was a disappointment for Quentin Nelson. Ryan Kelly, who's been their longtime center, <clears throat> has struggled over the last three seasons. And over the last two, you've seen uh, like a pretty pretty hefty decline. So I would not be surprised to see them try to figure out the center position and try to draft one. Um, and then I've, and then seventh round pick in 2021, Will Freese started 11 games for them last year. Um, but they really struggled just along every interior position outside of Quentin Nelson. Um, and I could see them trying to identify a, a guard or a center or both um, sometime in the middle rounds. So... Um, the, the, you know, the Colts, they probably surprisingly have <laughs> the least amount of needs or the second least amount of needs of any of these teams in this division. 
And that sounds crazy because it's a team that won four games last year. So, I, I mean, I, I understand that. But they, they have a decent group of players um, on their roster that they ha- they can build around still. So it's a team that I think is really attractive um, to be a, a quick turnaround team if if the draft is, is done right. So And they've brought in some key free agents, as I mentioned, as well um, uh, to help solidify their team. Okay, we will move on to our next team, which we're going to do the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is the other team that has probably the second least amount of holes. But the Jaguars still have quite a few holes. So um, starting off, the secondary is a major issue for the Jaguars. Um, they signed Shaquille Griffin last year. Was there one of their big-name free agent signings um, of the offseason last year? One of the first things that uh, that Doug Peterson and, and did in, in the front office did um, when they came in last year. Uh, and started off free agency, and that was just a to- complete failure last year. Uh, played in five games, then had uh, and and didn't play well, and then had a pretty significant back injury, had back surgery, um, and they decided to part ways with him uh, coming into the off season, which it sounded like they had planned for a while. Um, but the Jaguars secondary lacks any sort of depth. They have a couple young players that have played really well in cornerback Tyson Campbell, who was a second round pick in 2021, and then a third round pick in that same draft, safety Andrew, uh, Andre Cisco. Um, those are kind of the cornerstones. But besides that, it's filled with a lot of question marks. Uh, you talk about um, you know multiple different players that that they have um, in in the secondary right now. As I flip back over to the Jaguars, um, just to remind, but Darius. Uh, Darius Williams, who they got, they signed uh, last year as well from the Rams, um, and then Trey Herndon. You know, there's some good players, but at the same time, I I think that they still lack right now because Darius Williams has fell off quite a bit from what he was when he was with the Rams. Um, and, and Trey Herndon is a good player, but he's their nickel. They need another outside corner. Um, I could definitely see the Jaguars identifying that with their first round pick. Um, because the front seven's good. It has a lot of talent, a lot of young talent, um, and a lot of untapped talent, I, th- I think, so far. With, you know, when you talk about guys like first round pick last year, uh, uh, Devin Lloyd, and then first round pick, also first overall pick last year, Trayvon Walker. Um, they have a lot of depth on, on their front seven. So I think identifying the back end and really getting somebody that can go opposite of Tyson Campbell to give them a good one two punch at the cornerback position. Um, with the decline that you've had in Darius Williams is probably going to be one of the main things that they identify in the draft. The other thing is interior offensive line. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was pressured from the middle more than about any quarterback in the NFL last year. Um, they brought in Brandon Sheriff last year, um, big free agent signing for them, and he's going to occupy one of the starting guard positions. He played all right last year, but it was kind of a down year for him as well. But when that unit is not flowing completely, um, it, it's it's really tough for even the best players. Kind of going back to even the Colts, and this is, I believe, somewhat what happened there uh, with Quentin Nelson. When the interior offensive line has one weak spot, it r- is really hard for everybody else to consistently do their job and and consistently create a, a you know a, a unit that is that is doing their part every single week. So. Um, you know, the other spots are completely up for grabs in my mind right now. I mean, last year at center, they had Luke Fortner, who was a rookie third round pick, uh, start every single game for them. And he struggled consistently last year. Um, I I could definitely see them trying to identify a center. And if, if they 
are in a position in the draft where it makes sense for them to draft, you know, maybe the best center in the draft. Um, I, I could definitely see them trying to do that or um, filling that position in the second or third round again and just getting somebody else to come in and compete with him. Um, and the other guard spot, I think they definitely need to um, address. Right now it's uh, 2020 fourth-round pick Ben Barch, um, who's a projected starter. Um, he, he His PFF grades are all under uh, 55 from last season in the games that he started. And going back in his career, he's never had any um, sort of success at this point as a starting guard. So um, definitely need to address that. The tackles are pretty solidified with young players in, in uh, well, it, one young player, Walk, uh, Walker Little, a second their second-round pick from 2021. He played pretty well last year. Um, and then Cam Robinson, obviously, their left tackle. Really good run blocker. Struggled as a pass protector, but overall, a solid tackle um, and somebody that they obviously gave a contract uh, last year that uh, that solidified him to be their left tackle for a while now. So interior offensive line, a major need for them. Trevor Lawrence is not going to be able to do his job and be able to be um, that elite pocket passing quarterback if he is always getting hit and always getting pressure up the middle. That That is one of the main things that can ruin a young quarterback. Um, so I think that's something that they need to identify early in the draft. Okay, we'll move on now to the Houston Texans. This is going to be kind of a quick episode, you guys. Um, it's, been, it's been a crazy weekend, lot, late week, so I'm going to give this one kind of, this one's going to be kind of short, um, and we will have obviously more going forward on each of these other divisions and some more NBA content and stuff as we go. But I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, as we go here, this is going to be a pretty quick one. Okay, Houston Texans, team needs, obviously, quarterback. Davis Mills is not the answer at quarterback. They learned that last year. And even even though I think he played decent last year with what he had surrounding him, um, you know, they, they clearly did not think that. Ownership, I, they were trying to um, start multiple different quarterbacks, see what they had in everybody on the roster um, as they all pretty much got playing time at some point. Um, but at the number two pick, it's really hard to see the Texans passing on either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Um, two guys, like I talked about with Bryce Young, who I thought is a really good fit for them. Either guy though, a fantastic leader, insane talent, super accurate quarterbacks that have athletic ability. Um, upside's massive for both of them. And I think ceiling's pretty, pretty high for both of them as well. Um, it's really hard to see them pass up on either of these guys when they sit it with that number two pick, which I'm expecting the Texans are not going to be wanting uh, or expecting to be in the top three, probably top five, uh, anytime soon again, as they have been the last couple of years. Um, the other needs for this team, and there's quite a bit, but the other major ones, and, and with a team rebuilding like this, this makes so much sense. Wide receiver and edge rusher. Uh, at this stage in their careers, the Texans may not have a true number three receiver on their roster right now, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them draft multiple on the first two days of the draft. Um, they ended up tra- uh, signing Robert Woods after he was released by the Tex- uh, by the bleh, sorry by the Titans um, in free agency, and they also brought in when they traded away uh, Brandon Cooks to the Cowboys, uh, wide receiver Noah Brown from the Cowboys. They have Nico Collins, third-round pick from a few years ago. Um, they have Amari Rogers, and they have second-round pick last year, John Mechie, who um, is still fighting a battle with leukemia. 
Um, seems like he, it sounds like he is tr- attempting and, and it's possible that he'll make a full recovery and be able to play. Um, but that's still a major question mark, obviously. Um, so, uh, you know, tons and tons of depth is needed at the wide receiver position. Uh, Robert Woods is somebody still that can catch, catch balls, but he doesn't have, you know, even close to the physical ability that he once did when he was a, a number one, number two receiver for the Bills. Um, and then Noah Brown's a nice piece, but he's not really much more than that. And, and Nico Collins, I think, is a, is a, a decent third, fourth receiver also on your roster. So, um, you know, like I said, one, two, and maybe three, I, I could see them draft multiple receivers in this draft. It's a super important position. They have Dalton Schultz at tight end after signing him to a one-year deal. Um, but besides that, you need some people that can be consistently reliable for a young rookie quarterback if they want to have any sort of success. And then on the edge, on the defensive line, you know, honestly, you could have gone anywhere here. They brought in Sheldon Rankins on the interior. They have Malik Collins still, um, but they need tons of depth, and they need t- they just need tons more bodies. Um, Jonathan Grenard is a really good player, one of the more underrated edge rushers in the NFL. Major reason is he's been on the Texans since 2020. Um, so, so really, he's somebody who has shined if you are a Texans fan and you watch this team every single week. Um, but outside of that, not many people know his name. Good piece. They need more to build around. Uh, outside of him, they have Jerry Hughes, Chase Winovich, a lot of guys that are past their prime and guys that are just going to be rotational pass rushers and nothing more than that. They need, 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 whether it's via trade or the draft, they need to identify and draft or bring in another edge rusher to go across from Grenard. Um, you know, the defense has more talent than most people think, but I think the te- the Texans have been setting up uh, to try to draft in, in the top, you know, top 10 picks possibly um, to try to draft a another edge rusher. They have the 12th overall pick right now. A lot of rumors and a lot of noise that the Texans may try to trade up with that 12th pick um, and get two picks in the top 10. And I think the reason is they, like, like I just kind of said, they want a quarterback and they want one of the best edge rushers in this draft. Um, and having two picks in the top 12 is <laughs> pretty rare. And I wouldn't expect that they're going to be able to uh, get that again. So, you know, getting these important pieces in, in in this part of your rebuild is super super key. If the Texans are able to pull that off, um, you know, outside of that, I mean, they need a lot more. <laughs> they need linebacker help. Um, they need offensive line help, interior offensive line help, especially. Um, but I think that getting these key positions covered in this draft is going to be priority number one for the Texans and for D'Amico Ryan's uh, and company. Uh, as they begin this rebuild process. Okay, and finally, we will move on to the Tennessee Titans. A lot of needs for the Titans. I think this team, honestly, has more needs than any other team in this division. It's a weak division. Probably, the to me, it's them or the AFC South, uh, or I'm sorry, the NFC South. Weakest divisions in the NFL. I, it's probably the NFC South now with Brady gone and with the, the Buccaneers kind of trying to rebuild and and uh, they're going to be in an awkward year, but man, it's outside of like I said with the Jaguars, the, these teams have a lot of uh, um, building and rebuilding that they're going to need to do this off season. But I think the Titans are one of the teams that um, you could see completely tank this year. When you look at their offensive roster, especially they their offensive line struggled last year. <laughs> 
immensely. They had tons of injuries. Um, a lot of guys that came in and just they they rotated guys at the guard positions, um, rotated some guys at the tackle positions even. Um, they bring in Andre Dillard, a former first-round pick for the Philadelphia Eagles who never really got significant playing time. That right now is slated to be their left tackle. Outside of that, nobody else on this offensive line has significant has had one full season of starting play. They need a lot of help all along the offensive line. Um, Till Lewan released, Ben Jones released. You know th- those guys. Even when they played last year, Lewan now he only played one in about a half of a game. Um, but Ben Jones. Even though those guys played last year, this was still one of the worst units in the NFL. Now they lose those guys. Um, it's going to be a disaster, I think, uh, along the offensive line, which is going to uh, halt any sort of success that you're going to have on offense, obviously. Um, at the wide receiver position, Traylon Burks played really well in spurts once he finally got on the field um, after some nagging injuries early on in the season. He looks really good. Outside of that, not much. Uh, Nick Westbrook-Akine has really not proven to be anything um, throughout his first few years in the league. And Kyle Phillips shined, but he's not a true number one. He's not a true number two receiver. He's not really a number three receiver. He's a slot rotational receiver. So outside of Traylon Burks, not much there. Um, I think they are going to be another team that drafts at least one, maybe two wide receivers, depending on what they're going to prioritize in this draft. But getting some key pieces that they're going to be able to build around, I think, is going to be the priority for the Titans. So offensive line, wide receiver, offensively, main places they need to go. On the defensive side, they still have some important and some some good pieces. Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Danico Autry, Harold Landry, when he has not been hurt, has been a good player to this point. Uh, they bring in Arden Key, who I talked about, and I like that signing a lot for them. Um, and then they also this week actually brought in Aziz Al-Shahir, uh, linebacker, in, inside linebacker for the 49ers. Um, and I think he's a good player as well. So they've got some pieces in the front seven. The secondary is, especially cornerbacks, is kind of a disaster. Christian Fulton's been good in spurts for them. Uh, second round pick in 2020. Caleb Farley, their first round pick in 2021, sat out pretty much the whole first year with an injury and has struggled ever since. Last year, he was terrible in his limited playing time. It's been a disaster. He's been one of the biggest busts um, that I've seen over the last couple seasons. You know, the safeties are good. Amani Hooker actually played really well two years ago, played decent last year, um, and he, he's he's been a good uh, surprise for them after being a fourth-round pick in 2019. And then Kevin Byard, obviously one of the best safeties in the NFL. Um, they bring in Sean Murphy Bunting. That's an important piece, a veteran starting uh, cornerback that they have to plug in, but um, putting him outside or at the nickel position where he typically played in Tampa, uh, you have Christian Fulton and Roger McCreary who struggled a lot last year. Like I said, Caleb Farley and then Trey Avery, they need more cornerbacks. This team has struggled to draft, as I just mentioned, all those guys' names. They've struggled to draft cornerbacks year in year out over the over uh, Mike Vrabel's career. And I think that, you know, drafting another cornerback is probably going to be something they're going to need to do, whether that's this year or next year. I think they'll probably prioritize offense, um, especially the offensive line first. They need to rebuild that offensive line before they do about anything else um, to see what this rebuild actually is going to entail. But cornerback is a position that they're very weak at, so I would not be surprised to see them 
uh, if they if they have a guy that they really like who falls to them, drafting a corner as well. Um, the Titans, one more thing on the Titans is, this team is another team, and there's more rumors about it this weekend. The Titans are a team that there's a lot of people saying, do not be shocked if they try to move up and draft one of these quarterbacks. Um, right now, the Titans sit at the number 11 overall pick. Um, that's within range. I mean, especially if they if they like Will Levis, if they do their due diligence and they like Will Levis, um, the Titans could be a team that tries to move up and draft him. Um, so that's something else that you definitely need to watch. I think Ryan Tannehill's days are numbered with the Titans. Um, I think financially <laughs> speaking, um, he's making a lot of money this year and he had a lot of guarantees, and that's probably the only reason he's still on the roster at this point. But um, I, I would not be surprised to see them try to draft someone and, and do this rebuild probably the right way with Mike Vrabel going forward. All right. Let's move in. Let's move on. That complete. That concludes our AFC South draft preview, team needs preview, um, and let's move on to our best NBA bets for Wednesday in the NBA. Um, we've got let's see, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five more days in the NBA regular season. Then starting on Tuesday is the begins the play-in tournament. So. We got playoff basketball coming up next week. So this is, you know, obviously we talked about the heated races in the NBA last week. Uh, this is this is go time for a lot of teams um, that are they're trying to get, you know, in position seating wise in the play in tournament. Um, a lot of really key important games that are going to be coming up here this week. So on Wednesday, there's a few of them. Some of them while I'm recording here, the lines have not come out yet, but I'm going to tell you guys the games that I'm going to be looking at and some of the um some of the some of the lines that I'm going to be waiting on and seeing what the numbers are going to be and I'll tell you guys kind of what I like them to and stuff. So the Brooklyn Nets take on the Detroit Pistons. Um the Pistons are clearly at this point trying to tank as much as they can to get the first overall pick. Um they're now 16 and 62. Uh, they're not going to be playing very many players, and the Nets are ten and a half point favorites. Usually, these ta- these games like this at the end of the year, there's been a lot of them already over the last week with these tanking teams. Um, usually, I stay away from them because it's just so unpredictable what the scores of these games are going to be with these young players that don't play very much, uh, giving it their all to try to just be on the team next year or just make an impression on the league overall. This one, I feel pretty confident about. I think the Nets, who are trying right now, they're one game ahead, uh, game and a half actually, um, ahead of the Heat right now for the sixth seed um, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I think the Nets are going to put their pedal to the metal. They've been hot lately. They've won three straight. Um, I like the Nets minus ten and a half. Uh, lined open at ten. I, I think it's probably going to get up to you know in the 11, 11 and a half, maybe even twelve range by tomorrow. So if you can grab this at 10.5 whenever you're listening to this, um, I like it, honestly, all the way to 11.5. I think that the Nets are going to win this game by a pretty hefty margin. So like the Nets, that's going to be a one-unit play, minus 10.5 against the Pistons. Next game that I am looking at, there's one book in Illinois that has a line out for this game right now, and that is the Sacramento Kings taking on the Dallas Mavericks um, at Dallas. Listen, Dallas has got to win every game if they want to have any sort of a chance. I mean, they're 
They are 37 and 42. The Thunder right now are still concluding their their game here on uh, on Tuesday night while I'm recording, but they are 38 and 41 going into it. If they lose this game, Dallas is a half game behind them. If Dallas can win tomorrow night, they will tie them record-wise, but the Thunder do hold the tiebreaker. So Dallas really needs to win their next three games and hope that if the Thunder do end up losing here tonight to the Warriors, they need to hope that the Thunder go 1-1 one and one at least over the next two games. Um, otherwise, if, if Dallas loses one more game in, out of these next three, they need the Thunder to completely lose out for them to even make the play-in at this point. It's crazy what the season's gotten to for them. Um, but man, I'm loving that plus 380 that I gave out for the Mavericks to miss the playoffs um, a f- just a month ago. At that, that age really well, really quickly. Didn't even expect it to go that well. Uh, I expected them to lose in the play-in, so happy about that. But anyways, getting on to this game, I love this spot for the Mavericks. Um, they're a three-and-a-half point favorite on the one book that has a line released already for this game. Listen, the Mavericks, I mean, first of all, these two teams, the way that they match up, they're both offensive powers. Um, Obviously, Sacramento's been better than them this season. But Sacramento is pretty solidified in their place in the playoffs right now. Um, And I I don't think after getting a win here, a big win here tonight, um, I I don't think that Sacramento is going to have nearly the motivation that Dallas does. And you, a lot of times, I do not bet based off that. But at this point in the season, it is pretty unique. Dallas needs this game. Three and a half. I think for Dallas being able to just go offensively all out on a a team that struggles defensively, uh, I think Dallas is going to be able to put this one away. And I think that three and a half is a short line. I like this one all the way up to four and a half. So I'm uh, going to make this one a one-unit play as well on Dallas minus three and a half. Watch these for injuries. Otherwise, I would probably give a bigger play on that. I may even make that a two-unit play if it were not for the fact that we are talking on um, Tuesday night and the game is not till Wednesday night, and crazy things happen in the NBA even at this point in the season. The last game that I'm going to talk about does not have a line posted yet. Oh, never mind. They just posted it, and I love it. This is going to be a two-unit play. Um, It's the Lakers taking on the Clippers tomorrow night. I was going to say I like this thing as long as the Clippers aren't favored by more than two. <laughs> the line just got posted as I am talking to you. The Lakers are two-point favorites. Okay, I understand the Clippers don't have Paul George. I understand that the Clippers have been struggling as of late. Um, but at the same time, the Lakers are one of the most overvalued teams in the NBA right now. I mean, it's shocking, I know. Um Kawhi's been playing really good. Westbrook's been playing a lot better lately, and the team is one of the deepest teams in the NBA still to this point. I think the Clippers should be favored in this game at least, and I'm kind of shocked that they didn't open as like a one to two point favorite at least. Um, (laughs) It kind of scares me a little bit. I like the Clippers on the money line though, plus 108. They have been over LeBron's career with the Lakers. And, and and since Kawhi has been with the um with the with the Clippers, uh, the Clippers have pretty much dominated the Lakers in head-to-head matchups. And look at that, the line just moved massively. We just went from a oh no, I'm sorry, that is just another book opening the line officially. So yeah, another book just opened the line, and the Lakers are only a one-point favorite. So 
money line on the other book the that the Lakers were two point favorites on. Money line for the Clippers was plus one hundred eight. This one's minus one hundred four. So I do I do think that's probably going to move in the Clippers direction. Um, I think that's what makes the most sense to me. Even though it's the Lakers, I just don't understand how the Clippers are not favored in this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, like I was like I was saying before, I saw that pop up. Um, the Clippers have head to head been fantastic against the Lakers. The Clippers need this game. Both teams need the game. So you can't really I can't really use that argument, but. The Clippers need this game massively um, to stay in the playoffs and stay out of the play-in tournament. Um, you know, I, I don't see I, I don't see a way the, the Lakers have a lot less depth than the Clippers do. Um, I don't see a way, to be honest with you, that the Clippers should not be favored in this game. I don't, I don't know how much else I can make that clear, but we're betting the Clippers. Two-unit play on the Clippers. Whatever you can get it at, as long as they don't get out past a uh, three-point favorite in this game. All right, guys. I'm very tired. I'm going to go to bed. I will be back with you guys on Saturday for all of our weekend bets. And I will also be bringing you an AFC West preview um, for all of those teams' top needs as we enter the NFL draft season. Thank you guys again for listening to Nonstop BS. My name is Cole Lynchide, and we will see you on Saturday. Have a good one. personally felt like we had a really successful episode and you know we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where i was what i was doing you know what we did it we moved on and